Hello all, how is everyone doing? It is I, Yai Joyce, your minister of joy, spiritual writer, holistic wellness educator. You're all around living in joy expert and welcome uh, to my podcast. And today's podcast, it's really just, I wanted to talk about mindfulness, my mindfulness for black indigenous people of color in the face of racism, mindfulness in the face of racism. It was something that has just really been on my heart and, and on my mind. And before we get into it, I just want to give this professional disclaimer. This podcast cannot and does not contain any medical, legal, fitness, health, or any other advice. The legal, medical, fitness, health, or other information that is provided is for general, informational, and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional advice. Accordingly, before taking any action based upon such information, we encourage you to consult with appropriate professionals. We do not provide any kind of medical, legal, fitness, health, or other advice here at Living Joyful or Hoodoo Healing, the use or the reliance or any information contained on our site or on our podcast or on our mobile application is solely at at your own risk, beautiful people. And one of the things that I use to 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 stay in uh, divine joy, people always ask me, "How do I stay so happy? How do I stay so joyful?" That's a very common thing, and that's why I named um, one of my programs "Living in Joyful Now." I call it "Living in Joyful Now," "Living in Joy Coaching," "Mind, Body, Soul Alignment," and it's mindfulness and it's meditation. And, you know, white supremacy was on full display the other day and a double standard was definitely seen in the police response to the cap to the riot at the Capitol. Right. And when young black indigenous people of color and just brown and black people were marching earlier this year, you know, in 2020 uh, over that outrage of the police killing and many and and uh, over George Floyd in May, you know, when people went through those streets, you know, they were sprayed with tear gas and all kinds of things. And uh, those protests were peaceful, but you go back to this week where a mostly white mob of extremists that were considerably loyal to President Trump, and I, I, I don't mind that they are loyal to, to him. Everybody has their own right to be loyal to whom they want to be loyal to, but they went in and they smashed their way into the U.S. Capitol at times, shoving police officers to the ground and they just really had some very savage 
type behavior. They kind of just really ransack through things and just tuck over the congressional offices for quite some hours and posing for photos and making a mockery out of the democracy and they had stolen items and the police is what really took me aback. As a black indigenous person of color, it really took me aback how the police decided that the police decided to have a, a very hands-off approach. They made a clear-cut decision. They made a clear-cut decision. So, you know, earlier in 2020 and May and, and all of this stuff, people were saying, oh, they need sensitivity training. They need training on how to deal with people. And it's clear that it's not sensitivity training is the issue. It's clear that they have the training on how to approach, to how to have a hands-off, hands-off and a hands-on approach. It is the decision. It is that decision. And when I saw that, it was very disgusting to me. It's this disgusting contrast in policing. It is this it's it's just absolutely horrid to our soul. And it's something that is all too familiar in the black community. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because we can't say that it doesn't bother us, right? We can't say that it doesn't bother us because we as black indigenous people of color have been killed for far more um, less than what those white extremists have done. And that mayhem had resulted in deaths and the woman was shot by Capitol Police and uh, a Capitol Police officer also died as a result of what um, authorities, you know, said was medical emergencies, you know. And um, the law enforcement response, okay, was what took me surprisingly aback how they were so compromising to the mostly white mob. And many of the extremists were, wear, were wearing, you know, their Make America Great, um, again, hats, and some were waving Confederate flags, and there was an other flags that they were waving that I could not really make out. And uh, it was very criminal, riotous behavior. It was very criminal, riotous behavior in my eyes, as what I saw. It was a day filled with very shocking, very disturbing sights for a black person. Right? It was very shocking. And this double standard 
of policing seen at the Capitol compared to how police officers respond at largely peaceful Black Lives Matter protests. Officers who have not been promoted by Black Lives Matter protests, nevertheless, they still beat them, um, fired rubber bullets at them at close range. At times, officers, you know, I, it, it just really took me aback. And it reminds us, it is a painful reminder that this is the America that we live in. It is a painful reminder that we live in a very racist society. We have a very racist law of enforcement who is more than ready and willing to facilitate the behavior of white protesters. They are there to pat them on the back for their unlawful behavior, right? And this unlawful behavior As a black person, we we have to say it does hurt. The clear double standard in this country and how black and brown people are treated when it comes to policing hurts. And our housing hurts. And our health care hurts. It is part of our life. It is part of our lives, right? It is just, it, it is a daily Reminder in some cases, especially when you live in certain places like Georgia, uh, you know, when you live in when you when you just live in certain you know when you just live in certain southern states, they try you know to make it a reminder to you because they they wear their "Make America Great" hats again and they drive around with their confederate flags on their cars and they just you know try in their own ways to make you you know know right and um the overprepared police for the black community and the underprepared for out for white outrage just shows that white supremacy is on full display. And if white America didn't understand their privilege, they should see it now. And if they don't see it, they don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. And I say all that to say this, especially for my black indigenous people of color. In these times, it is important for us to stay mindful. One of the, one of the ways that I, I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years, I got really serious with my mindfulness practice after 9-11, you know, if, if you don't know, I'm retired, uh, New York City Fire Department 
first responder. And mindfulness has helped me overcome and really work on inner peace and really flowing through everyday life. And we can't say that with the images of murder that we see of our people at the hands of police officers on televisions, websites, and the double standards that we see on social media platforms. And the more and more that we are waking up to the reality of racial inequality in America and the reality that has long been lived as an experience for black indigenous people of color, you know, we have to really take care of our minds. We have to take care of our minds. Systematic racism will play on your mind if you allow it. And in reality, the power structure and the way they distribute resources in favor of some groups of people over others, such as white over black, education, healthcare, criminal justice, immigration, just that alone, you it, it plays on your mind, body, soul alignment, whether you realize it or not right? These systems contribute to personal biases, even from the most compassionate, well-intended white person. They still have personal biases. And if you work with white people, which, you know, mostly everyone does, you know, you encounter these biases. And mindfulness helps you to deepen your understanding on how to live through these experiences, how to be present, and how to own who you are as a Black Indigenous person of color. And it helps you to provide, it helps, it helps you to understand who you are. And it helps you to have a better interpersonal relationship, uh, not only a better personal relationship with yourself, because when you have a better relationship with yourself, then you can have a better relationship with the world and you can better address the world, right? For me, mindful my mindfulness practice helped me to transform on all levels, a personal level, interpersonal level, And it also helped me to be a better person for the collective, not just the black collective or the white collective, just the collective of humanity in general, as I feel, okay? Because it helped me to, to clearly look at my own biases. It helped me to clearly look at where my actions were getting in the way. It helped me to see where I was harming myself and how I harmed others with my thoughts. It also helped me to see where I could be more compassionate and how that I can bring more compassion into this world. Mindfulness is about personal transformation. It is a personal transformation. And personal transformation is how you change the world. 
You don't change the world by going out in the world. You change the world by changing you and then going out there. That is how I was raised. My grandmother will always say, fix you, baby, because when you fix you and they see you, baby, it'll fix itself, you know? And so staying present in the reality of who and what I am and staying present in the reality of who and what I am and staying present in the reality of what is happening in this world. My brothers and sisters, I know that it can be painful work, right? It can be painful work because we have to see what is going on, right? We see what's going on and it's sometimes we have to address a quote unquote good white person right and tell them hey that is racist or biased or misogynistic right so we still have to participate in this world because we're here. We're here on Earth School. We're all here on Earth School. And we can't blink our eye and just wish for these people to go away. But mindfulness called me in to a, a to take to be to be more observational right i had to become more observational to be to become more observational without getting caught up and not being not being judgmental right cuz i can get caught we can easily get caught up in the storm of judgment right Mindfulness helps us not to get caught up in this judgment, not to get caught up in hate, not to get caught up in throwing hate and not caught up into um, catching hate for ourselves, right? Because one thing I know for sure on Earth School, right? That's why I said we're all, we're all on Earth School. We're all here on Earth School together. Some of us are in different grades, okay? Some of us are in different grades, all right? Some of us are, you know, in a special needs class, okay? Some of us are are high level. Some of us are in graduate school. Some of us are on a little yellow bus. Some of us are, listen, we are all, we are, not everybody is on the same level. It is okay. We are all works in progress. We are all, look. We are all in earth school on different levels at different degrees. We all working it out. Okay. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what level you're on. No one is better than anyone. Mindfulness helps us to say no matter what part of this earth school journey that I am on, 
I am going to remain a compassionate being and soul. I'm going to remain compassionate to myself and I'm going to learn to live with my heart open to see, to see. A lot of times we want to live with our heart closed, but you can't, you, you can't see, you can't see other humans that way. I like to live, I like to live with my heart open so that I can see. And if I can see that helps, that helps me, that helps me and guides me to change my actions. And if I can see, then I can see where their actions are going and their behaviors are going, and then I can modify it, right? Mindfulness also helps us with working with our shame. Because it can be painful. It can be very painful. And shame is a natural response when you when you see these types of injustices sometimes. It is shame is a natural response. Because shame helps you to kind of put things in categories and helps you to have some type of clarification as to what why this is going forward, you know. And mindfulness tells us don't turn away from the shame. Right? It's about being curious, having that curiosity. Right? But you know, we grew up sometimes with curiosity killed the cat, right? But being curious, yes, even being curious about shame. Why are you being shamed? Why, why are you ashamed about what happened? Are you ashamed about being black? Are you ashamed about the, the double standards? Why, why do you experience shame at work? There's so many places that we experience shame you can experience shame in the yoga studio i remember experience experiencing shame uh in the pilates studio once many years ago i wanted to become a pilates instructor i used to dance and i've always been you know thicker than a snicker and, but, you know, I could still split and dance and everything and, you know, and, you know, you know dance was my, dance was bae, right? And, um, I went and asked the lady about becoming a Pilates, uh, instructor and her, she was like, She's like, well, you are um, a little bit too big, too curvy. She said, you would need to, you know, she's like, look at all of the other dancers and look at you. You need to slim it down. 
And at that time, you know, I was like 140 pounds, 140 pounds. But I've always been curvy. I, I had very big breasts and a big butt. I mean, you know, she wanted me to, there, there was nothing that I can do about that, right? So, you know, after she told me that, I never felt any shame about going into the dance studio. But I did notice that after that, I fell out of going to Pilates. I fell out of dancing slowly. I started to feel shame about my hips and my big breasts and my big voluptuous, big old booty Judy started to feel shame about it, right? And, you know, there's many incidences like that where we start to feel shame instead of having uh, compassion for ourselves, right? But mindfulness teaches us, mindfulness teaches us to have that compassion. And when you adopt a mindfulness practice, a meditation practice, a mindfulness meditation practice, or a mindfulness practice, you have to be willing to investigate rather than shutting down. And I think a lot of times when I have clients that come to me, a lot of times people want to shut down their brain. They want to shut it down. I just don't want it to stop. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's, ha let's have this willingness to investigate. How can you stay open? How can, how can you stay open? How can we take this pain and how can we transform it? How can you transform it? Right? And... So when you're feeling any type of pain or tension or anything from post on social media or the news or the radio or anything, I, I, I want you to ground yourself. I want you to just connect yourself to the present moment in time of who and what you are. When you see these clear double standards, news stories and these clear blatant racism and police brutality against a person of color, or you find yourself in that conversation, like I found myself in that conversation about why, you know, why can't you just slim down, slim down your hips? Take that time and just pay attention. Pay attention to your breath. 
and pay attention to each moment. Each moment. Pay attention to each moment. Each moment by moment and ask yourself, are you tensing up? If so, where? Where are you tensing up? Where do you feel it? Do you feel it in your head? Do you feel it in your neck? Do you feel it in your arms, your legs, in your stomach, in your groin, your hamstrings? Sometimes, you know, I tense up and I feel things in my hamstrings, my ankles, your fingertips or your toes. What does it feel like in your body? It can be gas. It can be sharp pains. It can be creaks. It can be anything. What does it feel like? And when you feel these feelings, what do you do? Do you change the channel? Do you get off of social media? Do you shut down? Do you shift topics with the with that person that you're having that uncomfortable conversation with what do you do and also in a mindfulness practice i ask myself what am i assuming to know about this person? What assumptions am I making? Am I making any assumptions here about the issue? Am I making any assumptions about myself? Am I assuming? Breathing that out, am I assuming? Because sometimes in uncomfortable situations, the first thing that we can do is assume. We can assume, we can put up a wall. So I ask myself, if I, am I putting up a wall? Am I putting up a guard? Am I putting up assumptions and defenses? Am I becoming unreachable? And I'm breathing. I'm breathing and I'm asking myself these questions. And through 
all of the cells in my body and in my mind and in my soul, I'm saying to myself, I'm not judging my experience. 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 It is simply is. It is happening around me. It's happening within me. It just is. It is happening. I'm not judging the experience. And that's how I take myself through those difficult moments that I see. And I want, I want you to try it. It takes practice. Mindfulness takes practice. It, ta- it takes a practice. But remember that during this season, one thing that I know for sure is that our ancestors and whatever your name for God or spirit or universe, I don't care. I'm not here to judge your name or even if you have one or not. But remember to be compassionate to yourself in this season. This world is learning to be new and operate in a new way. It is changing. And it's not an excuse, but it is a learning and a changing experience. And it can be difficult. And it can be a difficult process. But self-compassion, self-compassion, helps sustain us, beautiful black, indigenous, brown people. Self-compassion will help sustain us as we do and move through all of this painful work that is going on in this world right now. Self-compassion will help us see ourselves for what and who we are. And self-compassion will help us see our circumstances in the right eyes and in the right eyes of the beauties and the manifestations of God that we are. So I just wanted to say 
I remember the first step to living in joy and personal healing and societal transformation is you having self-compassion for you. I pray that this message has blessed you and filled your life with so much joy and so much grace. If you need me, you know where to find me. YayiJoyce.com Live in ultimate joy. <laughs>